Welcome to the Never Not Creative Podcast. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Andy. How are you? I'm good. I'm especially good because we don't have to do any of the work for the next three episodes. Why is that? Is that because someone else very kindly stepped in to help us out with these ones? That's because Never Not Creative co-creator V. Dewey over in London is doing a series, mini-series. So we're following up on uh, the success of our mini-series around creativity and football, which was about mental health. And we're doing a series on the F word, not football. Uh <laughs> uh, will the bleeped version of this podcast be available on every yes we should do or are we talking about a different f word would you like to do the language warning uh, <laughs> if you're used to always succeeding then this is a word that you may not be too familiar with Ooh. or is was that that's good <laughs> okay that's good but let's get a more professional view on it from the person that actually spent a good few hours chatting about the f word v Tell us what this series is all about. Well, the F word series, it actually stems from a conversation with David Beer, who's the ECD of Dragon Rouge London, and talk, And it's a topic that is very close to him and he's delved into. And I feel especially within our industry, we talk about failure and it's there. It's a buzzword at times, but it's such a complex and deep topic that David decided to delve into it more. So we covered... Over three episodes, we discuss why he delved into this and what it means to for also Dragon Rouge, his studio. But then we brought in some people to talk about it further at the micro level, which individual. So we've talked with Max Otignon, co-founder of Ragged Edge in London, who, you know, on one end of his of a career of a designer. And then we talked to Alina Mendoza-Lopez, who just graduated as an intern at Dragon Rouge to get her perspective of failure. And then from there, we just, we went further and we decided to, let's see about at the organizational level, because when you look at agencies or design studios and so forth, failure, you, you almost can't. It's like a taboo. It's like, if you fail, you're going to be like chucked out or something. So we brought in the amazing Trevor Hubbard, co-founder and chief creative officer, I believe, of Butcher Shop. And then we brought in Eva Applebaum, a award-winning transformational leader. Um, she's a consultant right now working with the likes of Gray, AKQA to in earlier her career, she led digital transformation within the BBC. And it's interesting how over the course of these three podcasts, just the dialogue, it's just such a heavy topic. So I really, that's more, I can't really say any more than that because I think you just have to listen and see because it's such a, being such a heavy topic. So it is a good one. And I mean, you just casually brought in all the big guns for your first mini series. So, so well done. And this first episode is just you and David, right? Unpacking failure. Mm -hmm. Indeed it was, because I think we've, I felt, and both of us agreed that we just needed to lay the foundation because we just didn't want to dive right into it. As I mentioned, it's so taboo. We will hear failure. People talk about, you know, fail fast, fail fast, fail quickly, or whatever that term is, and to so you can succeed. But there's more to it than that. It is deep. It's tied into emotion. And there's a lot out there. And not just on a Forbes article or Fastco article. There is a lot of research out there and discussion. And David went down the rabbit hole of that. And really, that helps support the foundation of this podcast. It was more leveraging his learnings and weaving that into these discussions. Yeah, I think that failure can be sort of used as a buzzword now. And everyone says, oh, we you know really embrace failure, but it's on that top level. So this sounds like it's going to be a really amazing podcast for people to listen to what that actually means and looks like from that foundational level. Definitely. And we, we delved into like where, you know, we delved into where the idea of failure starts in life, even like how failure as a theme that play in, you know, leading into work life. And we touched on upon a lot of directions actually, but yeah, even though a lot of it was also, especially with the podcast, the third podcast, a lot of the discussion was emergent. So it wasn't, it was interesting to see how that evolved. And literally, I feel like for both the second and third, when we brought in the different people to discuss it, it could have gone on for a longer time than just like 45 minutes to an hour, fortunately, but unfortunately. <laughs> I was listening to someone talk about failure the other day on a podcast, and I've forgotten which one it is now, but they, they said they didn't like the word failure. Oh. 
because failure is so final. So to have a failure is literally like, you know, like I think the example they used was you fail an exam and, you know, there's no going back. The exam's gone. But really what, you know, potentially I think the idea of like fail fast and that kind of stuff is about like you can make mistakes and you can learn from them and then you can carry on without having to fail or you can try something and know that it didn't work without having to fail. And I think perhaps it's just, you know, splitting hairs around terminology and stuff. But I think it's quite an interesting way of looking at failure as well. Mm, Mistakes are not failure. They're just, they're a part of the process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think it also plays into just how our culture, especially such our Western business culture, and it's so compartmentalized, you know, post-industrial revolution into post World War II sort of culture where it's almost like you you do have to just tick the box all the time. And even I remember I was in boarding school at one point, you know, I was a perfectionist and I wanted to always do my best, but I had a English professor who said, nothing's ever an A plus because you're always going to have that failure. You're always going to learn. And if you're an A plus, where can you go from there more or less? So it's like getting rid of those mechanistic thoughts or the culture that we've been, you know, gone through for our career or even just raised in and trying to embrace and letting go and just realizing that we to be able to evolve because do you really want I know we've talked about awards but if you want to win a pencil or if you want to win alliance you do have to go through that failure to get to that point it's you you look at tennis you see Emma Raducanu you know third fourth tournament as a pro she wins the U.S. Open but that's rare but that's a buildup of failure over the years so yeah all right, well, let's get into it. So let's listen to David and V talking about failure. Hi, David. Wonderful to have you here today and to talk about the your topic of failure or the F word, as we like to say. As the Executive Creative Director of Dragon Rouge London, I know failure must come up quite a bit in your daily life or in projects. Before we dive into this topic, I would really love to take a moment and know a bit about you, your career journey, and how it led you to question this topic of the F word. Sure. Great to be here, Vanessa, and a really interesting and I think topical subject matter given what we've been through in the last 18 months. But essentially, next month is going to be my 25th year in this industry. So it feels like a bit of a landmark And I feel incredibly lucky that I'm kind of doing a job that I love. But throughout my career, I think, you know, success has been such a dominant word and a key driver, you know, whether it be winning a pitch, being promoted, getting a new role, winning an award or two along the way. But on a day-to-day level, you know, it's very much about as an agency and the other agencies I've worked in over the years, it's been about selling ideas. But for every success, I think there is many moments where failure in all its kind of nuanced forms kind of rears its ugly head. And as creatives, we can be a really kind of sensitive bunch when it comes to failure. And it's only experience that teaches us that failure is as important as success. So I think the bigger question around all of this is whether businesses, and in particular the creative industry, truly support the idea of failure as a means to kind of learning and improving So I think, you know, the world tells us that anything is possible, that we can be rich, we can be famous, we can be the next CEO. You know, we all want to be the next Elon Musk running (laughs) Tesla. And we're kind of conditioned, in a sense, to believe that this is true, that, you know, we can be anything we want to be. You just need to look at social media in a way that promotes a sense that we can be famous, that we can be rich, that, you know, you don't need much experience to become the next CEO. I think society, in a way, reinforces that as well, telling us that we can be anything and be anyone. So whether it be your friends, family, social media, it's telling us all the time that we can be successful. But the flip side of this is, though, that if we don't succeed, then failure can hit us really hard. It's almost kind of there's this enormous downside to success that if we don't end up being successful, that somehow we are deemed as a failure. And it can really hit home hard. And I think failure is something that has probably affected every one of us more now than ever, given what we've been through in the last 18 months. 
I think we've all experienced some sense or feeling of failure through the pandemic. We had to adjust to an incredibly difficult change in our personal lives and our working lives. And I think it, it's made us pay attention and appreciate the importance of you know, our own mental health, our own well-being. And it's made us kind of rethink our lives. You know, what does it mean? What's that balance between working life and personal life? And I think that made me think really long and hard about the journey I've been on in the last 25 years of being in this industry and how success has played such a pivotal role. It's almost been at the forefront of everything. But really looking at everything we've been through in the last 18 months made me question this idea of failure because I think all of us in some way have felt a bit like a failure. Whether we've been on the edge of being furloughed, whether we've lost our jobs, whether it's impacted our families, whether it's impacted our own kind of mental health, you, you have this overwhelming sense of kind of failure somehow. And I wanted to kind of understand where does that come from? Where does this kind of overpowering feeling of failure come from when at the end of the day, we all fail in some shape or form? Mm -hmm. But why do we put so much importance on success? And yet failure is seemed like this kind of ugly thing that we have to put in the corner and ignore. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, the whole debate is going to be really interesting to kind of work through why is failure such an important subject that should sit alongside and even be maybe more important than success? Oh, that's a very good point. And in general, I feel, especially in the creative industry, there is such a emphasis on excellence, on attaining the highest level that if you do the wrong thing, you'll be marked for life like that scarlet letter. I'm wondering, since you currently are working at Dragon Rouge as, as the executive creative director, and thinking about how agencies, organizations moving forward within this new world and addressing yeah. failure. I know we've touched upon it a little bit in previous conversations, but there's within Dragon Rouge, there you are addressing failure. We'd love to hear a little bit about that because when you mentioned this in our lead up conversations, I was just shocked to hear this because you look at big agencies, the holding companies, or even design studios, and you just that's not part of their vernacular at all. And if anything, it's almost like if failure comes up, you're out the door. So yeah. I would love to hear about what Dragon Rouge is doing around this right now. It's a really great question. I think, you know, when you start researching this idea of failure and, and you Google it, you know, almost every article tells you that the best companies are those that encourage failure, that they embrace it. But I think the reality quite often feels very different. So there's a lot of reading you can do online about the importance of failure. But I think the reality day to day that I see and I feel in other agencies, this is not talking about Dragon Rouge, is that failure, as you were saying, it's somehow put in a box, put in the corner and ignored. Mm -hmm. But I think it's so important that we in allow employees to make mistakes, see what happens. And I think leadership has to encourage mistakes and failure and create an environment where people feel safe to do that. I think at the heart of our culture here at Dragon Rouge, and I think this has been fundamental and has really helped us through the last 18 months in particular, is a value that we hold really close to our hearts, and that's the value of creating generously. From that stems a really important kind of cultural aspect to the business, which is trust positive reinforcement and this kind of idea of psychological safety. And it's about kind of a shared ownership of the problems that we endure every day, whether that be with our own internal teams or with our clients. You know, we have to embrace this idea that teams will win and that teams will fail. And that's part of agency life. No one individual wins and no one individual should feel like they fail. I think singling people out is something that we don't do here at Dragon. It's about the team and the importance of the team being there to support each other through the tough times and equally celebrate the great things that we achieve. So we seen kind of failing as a learning and agency life brings, you know, natural competition. There are winners, there are losers, there are agency versus agency pitches, there are ideas versus ideas. At the end of the day, everything's about a bit of a competition. So we're pitching to win a bit of work. You might be pitching against six other agencies and there's always this enormous amount of pressure on you to somehow win that piece of work. I think the important thing is that there's not one thing that determines why you might lose that piece of work. Mm -hmm. And some of those things are really out of your control. It could be procurement. It could be 
that the client favours an agency but they haven't told you. And therefore, we're very aware here at Dragon Rouge that not winning a pitch isn't about failing. It's about a number of different things that might be attributed to why we didn't win that particular job. We learn from that and we do important kind of crits as teams to work out what could we have done better to have approached that pitch so that next time there's something we can learn from it rather than kind of singling out individuals and saying you failed somehow, which is never going to work. So, you know, crucially, making the subject of perceived failure and vulnerability something that people can talk about openly to line managers is, is really important. So you've got to have a culture of honesty, you've got to have a culture of trust, you've got to ensure that management, senior management is there to listen and keeps the door open for more junior members to feel that they can talk about their own perceived failings. Mm-hmm. It's bad enough for someone to feel failure in their role, but it's 10 times worse if the only person hearing that is themselves. Everyone feels, it, you know, probably every week, we all feel a sense of failure somehow. Something they didn't feel was good enough or missed in the thinking, but it's our job as employees to create the environment for people to get that out and share that feeling. I think it's really important that we recognize when people are kind of bottling things up. Some people don't always have the confidence to talk about where they might have done something wrong or where they feel like they're failing. I think there's always a slightly egotistical, slightly male feeling that, you know, you've got to win at all costs and that, you know, letting down your guard is something that you shouldn't do. So again, as as managers, we have to be really careful to see that and almost bring out of those people the things that are maybe really bothering them, you know, because it's about looking after their mental health and their well-being. I think somehow that's been exaggerated even more over the last 18 months. People have felt incredibly vulnerable. They've not known week to week whether, you know, a company's going to be here, job's going to be here, what's going to happen. It's all been thrown up in the air. So that sense of kind of psychological safety is incredibly important. I think that there are a number of other things that I think when we think about failure, you know, what are the things we're trying to do here in Dragon Rouge? So I've always been a huge believer, as has Dragon Rouge, in kind of bringing up the next generation of talent. So we've got an initiative called Firestarters, and that's our way of putting briefs out there to colleges and universities and searching for the next great kind of talent that we can bring into our agency. And each year we find two or three graduates that we bring into Dragon Rouge, And I think from day one, it's about buddying them up with people, making them sure they feel comfortable. You know, they're being exposed to a brand new way of thinking, a brand new world that can be really scary, quite frightening. And I think the worst thing we can do as an industry is assume that just because somebody's a graduate and quite talented, that they can do everything and anything. Almost treat them like they're suddenly a senior designer and that if they can't do something, they fail. So there's there's a huge importance we put on kind of mentoring and you know, giving advice, supporting graduates and bringing them through into our industry so that they they get a real sense of collaboration, support and removing that, that barrier of fear and in turn failure, which I think can, you know, many, I think many agencies, it would be my perception that many agencies maybe breed a culture where failure just shouldn't exist. I totally agree. I was talking recently with a friend of mine who owns her own small agency, but, and actually brought in her intern to become a full-time employee. And I was sort of shocked to hear her anecdotes about his reactions to bringing him on. He's like, wait a minute, I don't have to stay until 8 PM at night. Whereas it's, she took the assumption that all his classmates or peers are being forced to stay until 8 PM at night or other situations where she and I were like, what is going on here? It was scary. Like we know these things are going on, but just actually to hear that personal reaction from a 22 year old or 21 year old, however old he is. The one thing I would love to go back and we're talking, you hit upon like with the managers supporting the creatives and and creating a nice supportive learning environment. Yeah. The one thing that came to mind though, too, is when it's leadership though, too, is also taking the accountability, taking, accepting the failure I'm just curious because I've, I've heard different stories, but you don't really hear too much about leadership taking accountability or how they approach failure. 
I know you did touch upon how the pitches yeah. go, but still, like there could be other situations. And I'm just wondering, what have you experienced being in your role over the past 20 years or here at Dragon Rouge? Is there anything you can discuss, highlight about what you or even witness maybe too? Yeah, I mean, there are so many scenarios where I think 25 years ago when I came into this industry, mm-hmm. it felt very different to where we are now. I mean, you know, whether you're talking about the kind of fairness of the work environment, you know, the balance of male and female and ethnicity and, and all of those things. And, you know, we actually are now at a, in a time and in a place where as an industry, we have to be much more careful and much more aware of how we are nurturing and looking after new talent and bringing it into our industry. But I mean, I can go back 25 years and it, it felt, you know, it felt like a much scarier place to be. Mm-hmm. I'd say there were bigger egos, there were people in the industry that, you know, it was more about them than it was about the name of the, the kind of company above the door. Mm-hmm. And then it, there was much more a culture of fear, I think. And I think fear can work in two ways. It, it can motivate some people. You know, you get told at eight o'clock at night that none of your ideas are good enough. Mm-hmm. It might motivate that person to work till three in the morning to prove that person wrong. But for other people, it might be completely crippling and they might just fall apart. And you know, that was the kind of industry I walked into fresh out of college in God, 1996. And, you know, you have to learn the hard way and you meet some real characters in our industry that are driven by very different things. Some people are driven by the awards. Some people are driven by the success of constantly winning pitches. Some people are driven and motivated by, you know, financial reward in our industry. But I think what I take out of all of my learnings over those years is that the biggest driver for me is that sense of reward from nurturing others and seeing them grow and develop and whether they stay in your company or move on to do great things. That for me is more rewarding than any of the other things I've probably mentioned. Seeing success in others can be hugely rewarding, but... I think it's taken a long time for our industry to even come close to getting a lot of those things that were wrong, right? You know, I still think we're quite a male-dominated industry, which I think is terrible. I think I see signs of that changing, which is brilliant. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, for me, it's got to be first and foremost about great talent. And great talent can come from anywhere. Mm -hmm. Male, female, short, tall, it it doesn't matter. And sometimes people are judged on the wrong things. So another great example would be, you know, you're looking for a new job. You may never get the new job you want because you're being judged on where you've previously worked at. So how can that be fair? So you could constantly feel like you're a failure because you've not had the opportunity to work in the right agency that has the kind of kudos and the credentials that that somebody's looking for. And yet that name above a door is kind of meaningless because it's about the people in the business and about the culture in the business. And that quite often is hidden behind the closed door. Mm-hmm. So how would somebody else ever know about that? So you're being judged on completely the wrong things. Yeah, that's the one thing. When you made the note before that, or mentioned earlier in your, in your comment, that our industry is sort of changing slowly, but still what crept in my mind is like, I hate this might come across harsh, but yeah, so what? What's the accountability? What's going to change really? And even though they say they're going to do X, Y, and Z, at the end of the day, especially when you have the bigger holding companies who are beholden to the quarterly reports and the shareholders, will it yeah. ever change? And that's what scares me. It's encouraging to see Dragon Rouge or smaller agencies. There's actually one that's was just announced and launched that's going to be totally based on empathy. Even within the business structure, it's founded on empathy and it's yeah. also all decentralized. So going to your point where there might be somebody who's in sub-Saharan Africa who has not access to work at Gray or AKQA or all those other names, but yet has the talent at the level of these creators who have come through those doors. So, but that's far and few between. And I'm just like wondering, in your opinion, how can we push the tide for being more inclusive and changing the, the personality, not having that failure culture, you know, fear of failure culture, but just like changing our industry. Like what, from your opinion and what you've observed, what needs to be done? I think one of the biggest things for me is we, as an industry, we focus so much on our clients Mm -hmm. and we don't focus enough on our culture and our people. 
and that's that's the thing that's really hard to change because we are we're in an industry that's got tougher you know clients want things faster they want it better they want it cheaper therefore if those demands are put on our industry you constantly feel like you've got less time to invest in your own business and your own people in your own culture mm-hmm. and that kind of exaggerates that sense of well we just need the best people that can do a great job and if we haven't got those then we've got to change people because it's about supporting that that ideal of delivering for our clients mm-hmm. but clients are human as well and you know some interesting anecdotes you know there's a lot of businesses out of the pandemic that are moving towards, say, a four-day working week or a shorter working day or this hybrid model of you can work at home and work in the office. And it's incredible to think that it's taken the pandemic to get us to change that attitude to day-to-day working. Mm-hmm. When actually we're human beings, we, we, you know, we're not 60 years ago working in a factory where you're clocking in and clocking out. And yet that mentality is still there very much in our industry. But it has taken such a, an enormous kind of global thing to happen to get us to change the way that we're working. And, you know, there's a lot of fear in our industry where, whereby we assume that we tell our clients that, you know, let's say Fridays, we're not working. If I tell my client that, are they somehow going to move to a different agency because we're only doing four days a week? From what I've, I've heard and what I've experienced from other people I know in the industry is that clients actually really respect the fact that, as an agency, you're giving something back to your employees to ensure that mentally and physically their well-being is being put above everything else so they can deliver an even better product for the clients. So we've got this fear in us that by making change, we're somehow undermining something that's worked, or maybe it hasn't worked, for so many years. You know, it's like trying to turn the Titanic around. You know, we feel like it's such a big change that, it, you know, maybe we just carry on the way we always have. And that somehow things will be okay. But I'm seeing so much change happening, not just in the design industry, but in industry as a whole. I mean, I, I read recently that Nike gave their employees in Oregon a week off outside of their standard kind of vacation and holiday. They just said, look, we know everyone's been through so much. We're giving you this back. And you hear stories like that and you think five, ten years ago, nobody would even be considering the idea of that. Oh, no. But we shouldn't just be doing that off the back of a pandemic. We should be doing that as a a matter of, you know, just general day-to-day business. We should be thinking about our employees. So rather than running them into the ground, making them unwell, making them feel stressed, making them feel anxious, we need to be providing spaces that nurture talent, that feel like a safe place to, you know, we spend 80% of our lives at work why not make that space and that environment a great environment to be where people can perform at their best? It reminds me as well, many years ago, I read a book called, um, I think it's called Search Inside. It's a Google book. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to remember the author, but the author was the, the person that created the four-day working week for employees at Google. And scientifically, he kind of proved that people were as if not more efficient in a four-day working week than a five-day working week. So he completely changed the culture of the business and said, you know, that fifth day, that's for kind of innovation, experimentation, for doing things that might fail, but push the envelope, push the boundary, push the edges of what we're doing so that we can become more successful as a business. And and it's worked for them. But it's kind of always, it was always in the back of my head, why does it take a big successful business like Google to do that yet we as an industry feel like we're 20 years behind we're doing all this amazing innovative work for innovative brands yet we're not innovating for ourselves wow that's I no one's ever said like it's been at the cusp I've always people have like talked about that but I've never really I haven't heard anybody said exactly that I'm wondering could that just even I might be I'm going off off topic a little bit, <laughs> yeah. but could it also be just listening to all your comment, your answers and so forth? It also just makes me go back to uni art school with yeah. how that's embedded in us. Having those crits where you come out of it crying because your lecturer tore up what you presented. I'm wondering if it's just in the foundation of this whole industry as a whole, where we come from, yeah. if that's an angle that could be feeding into this culture of fear where we're not going to be innovative, we're not going to 
say, let's do four days a week. And, and, but yet it takes a pandemic that shut down the entire <laughs> world to change it, but not really thinking about that as a design design industry is supposed to be the forward thinker, supposed to be on the bleeding edge yeah. of everything, but yet still stuck in the mud in a system that was set up post-World War II that takes cues from the Industrial Revolution. Yeah. Yeah. It's mental. Like so yeah. I'm just I'm just wondering if it just could be just our whole even the higher the education, everything that feeds into this industry has to almost be relooked. I know that's a ginormous task, but yet really like what can shift because it's they all play into each other i think it's fundamental i mean again i I can think back to when i was at art college and doing my degree and it was an i had an amazing class i mean it was back in the day when there were only 30 people in the class and today you've got like 120 so you literally feel like a number today versus even with 30 people it felt like a big class Mm But I, I mean, maybe fortunately or not, depending on how you want to look at it, it I felt like I was in an ultra competitive class of people. Everybody wants to succeed and be top of the class. So it kind of pushed everybody up. But coming out of that and into the industry, there was this like chasm of difference between college, art school life and industry life. And I'm not sure those two things have come very close together since then. I think the great thing at colleges, and it, and it is about freedom of expression, you you can be much more conceptual, you can maybe be less commercial in your thinking and just push the edges of being creative. But then you ask yourself the question, if I want to be that creative, I should be an artist, not work in the agency world, which is all about being much more commercial. So I think there's something about bridging that gap a bit more. I think there are things around that help that. So even with our Firestarters initiative, we create real world briefs to solve real world problems. You know, I know for many years, organizations like DNAD, you know, they create briefs that are around a similar thing with the new blood. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, you get your big industries, corporations feeding in briefs that students can answer. Now, answering those briefs is one thing, but setting somebody up for the cultural change that happens from when you leave college and move into the real world, I'm not sure how that's being addressed in a way that, that's really working and really setting individuals up for the reality of, of what you find when you come into an industry. Particularly, you know, think about now, a lot of the, the graduates we're bringing in on placements, they're spending half their time working with us remotely now. I can't imagine having to go through that and feel like you're part of a culture and part of a business. It's got to be really tough because I think remote working divorces you from the reality of a culture that a business may have been trying to create for 20 years. You know, you sat in your living room or your kitchen trying to get a sense of what is this company all about? So that that's quite tough. I think that will change over the coming months and years where hopefully we'll move back to it might be this hybrid working model or it might be people more in the office than not. But you know, we're still going through this transitional period where we don't quite know where this is going to go. We don't quite know where it's going to end. Or even though we're, we feel like we're in the clear, it could just <laughs> yeah. spike up again. Or who knows what else, especially. I, it's really an interesting situation we're in as a whole with our industry. This has been in the back of my head just listening to you, but I would love to hear, is there any great example of a that you've seen throughout your career of a great failure that was actually a positive failure? Yeah, so many for myself. I mean, I, if I look back, I can think of a really great example, actually. There's an example where at the time, I would have literally looked at what happened and thought I have failed catastrophically. I have literally got something so wrong. So I just returned from working for a year in Montreal and I'd come back to London and I thought, I want to get a, a sense of the lay of the land, the industry, what's going on. So I thought, I'm, I'm going to go into freelancing and to get a feel for different companies, different agencies and see where I fit and where I land. Because at the end of the day, I think the culture is as important as the work that an agency does. So you've got to find that fit where the chemistry is right. But I had this experience where, and I won't name the agency or the individual, <laughs> but I was working incredibly late with the team. 
I think it must have been past midnight and the owner of the business had asked us to complete the, the work, get all the concepts up on the wall. And in the morning, we would review it as a team. So gone midnight, we put all the work up, we kind of stood back and thought, great job, went home, exhausted, but you know, felt like we'd done a good job. Got in the next day to find that all of that work had been torn off the wall and replaced with new work. And God only knows, you kind of, you ask all these questions like, how on earth has somebody done all this work in the time from when I left that office to when I got back in in the morning? Why is all the work being taken down without even a moment to kind of review, critique, give feedback? And in that instant, you just kind of felt like, well, we've just failed as a team here. We've just got it completely wrong. We must have done something wrong. So that moment, it felt like we just failed. I look back and I think, actually, that was just about one individual and one ego who thought that they were better than everybody else. And whatever that team had done, he'd have done something else that he'd have thought was better. And I use the word he, that gives a bit of a clue. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that was probably like the, the most exaggerated example of feeling like you'd failed. But looking back on it, you realise it wasn't you that had failed. It was just actually the process had failed. Somebody really didn't care about your ideas or your approach. They only cared about their approach and about their ideas. So you learn something from every situation where you feel like you failed. At the time, you may not feel like that, but I think when you look back, you can, you know, it can teach you a lot. Yeah, I just as you were describing that situation, I just all of a sudden felt like my heart just dropped into the, you know, down below, like into the ground. It was definitely. Feeling having those moments, especially if it's somebody who's just out of uni and yeah. art school, I could just imagine that could be and could be detrimental almost to just doing anything or even just salvaging what they can and in their career. I, oh my god, I'm getting now flashbacks from my own situations <laughs> at times. I'm so sorry. I'm having. I just going on that note of younger creatives and so forth. I know we're yeah. talking about failure and so forth, and you've mentioned fire starters, and I feel yeah. that's such a key part of our industry. I know Never Not Creative, one of their pillars is about internships. And especially yeah. in Australia, they really push towards bare minimum requirements where it's paying internships and trying to create foster something that will hopefully change the industry because we are we're so familiar with those war stories of like, I interned yeah. for X, Y, and Z and was paid nothing, which does yeah. not feed into a great culture. But I do want to, but going back to fire starters, I would love, I know you touched upon a little bit of it, but the way you're describing it, it's describing it as a situation of like servant leadership, which is something coming from Dragon Rouge has created this amazing environment for to cultivate strong individuals who feel that they have a chance. Like I'm thinking about like, damn, I wish I had something like that. Would love to hear a little bit more if you don't mind. I hopefully yeah. not going too much off of the topic of failure, but I feel like this is very important, especially yeah, as we're talking yeah. about how we're going to change the sector industry and so forth. It takes, you know, it takes buildup of different individuals, agencies and so forth. So it does. I mean, it, I think as I was saying, you, you're not going to turn a giant ship like the Titanic around quickly. But there are things that are kind of like called like nudges that we can do as an industry that slowly over time, if there are enough of those nudges, then we'll make a change. I mean, it was about three or four years ago that we conceived the idea of Firestarters. And, you know, we, we were doing the classic thing of just going out to universities and asking the course leaders, who are your best students? We'd love to get them in. And we just thought, is that possibly just a bit unfair? Is that being really democratic in terms of what well, the, the best person could be somebody completely different depending on how they approach a brief or a project? So we decided to set up Firestarters, and I know that many other agencies have got their own award schemes for graduates, and we wanted our own. And I think it's been incredibly successful. I mean, we've learned a lot from it, and I hope the students that have been part of it have learned a lot from it. We've actually got a couple of people that we've hired off the back of fire starters which has been brilliant it's been a great kind of feeder in at that kind of more junior level to support the team so you know i think setting those real world briefs with real world challenges and seeing how students approach it is amazing i mean it's a tough task for us we're we're looking at maybe over 100 entries and whistling that right down to the top three 
And again, we we don't just take the senior management, pick that off and get them to pick out who are the best. We, again, make it quite democratic. Mm-hmm. So everybody here at Dragon can cast a vote on who they think is the best. Wow. We'll probably kind of cut it down from the, the 100 or so down to like the top 20 before we do that because it's a lot of work. But it's incredible kind of seeing this kind of raw talent and then bringing them in and testing them out on real projects. And you know, I think when I came into my first job, I was thrown right into the deep end. I remember my second day at work, I was in a client meeting and I didn't know what was going on, but you, you realize the trust that somebody's putting in you to be in that situation. And you can't wrap students or graduates up in cotton wool and, and keep them in the corner and get them working really hard and stuff, but not expose them to clients or real world situations. So you know, I think the encouragement to present work, to present ideas, to get a sense of kind of that storytelling and and feel like they're part of not just the internal team, but that they can be put in front of clients. Again, I think we've got this fear that clients might think we've got something completely wrong if we're putting a student in front of them to present what they're paying for. You know what I mean? It's like, why would we put the most junior people in front of a client? Well, you've got to do that. And again, I don't think clients look at that as something negative. If you set something up before a meeting by saying that we're bringing some more junior members into this meeting, we think it's going to be a really good learning experience for them. If they're aware of that, I don't think clients are going to judge those people in the wrong way or like as an agency, you've done something wrong. And especially if they do, do you want to work with those agencies? Yeah. Especially. And it's, yeah. And it's going back to the point of having agencies respect or having clients respect agencies who are now having a four-day work week. So, yeah. And I think it's just playing, find the right dynamic, find the right tribe, the group, people to work with. So I think that's the, definitely, I, if there was a client who would not want a junior to be presenting the work and not support that, because that's going to maybe down the line, they'll help their yeah. business down the line. I don't know, that would be, I would not want to work with them. And it, throw, it throws up an interesting point that it's not just about what we do as agencies, but it is about our clients being aware that there's a reality of a team structure and that we might have graduates working with us as they would as a, as a business. Mm-hmm. And that we've got to give those people kind of equal opportunity and the opportunity to develop and be put in those quite difficult situations that are going to help them learn, help them grow. Mm-hmm. So without a doubt, I think that's also helping foster we're hitting upon the future yeah. and instead of just the usual suspects this is actually giving opportunity for more diversity potentially too yeah. and not just having the same old same old i will not say more That's than it. that so <laughs> um but which we do see consistently yeah. before we wrap up because i know we're coming down to the end what is your thought about like what are some parting thoughts about failure like what you if you had this one wish you can say that you wish the industry or creatives can embrace moving forward since we're now 18 months after the pandemic and we do need to change. So I'm sorry to throw this one out to you. But I just no, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good question. I think the, the biggest problem with our industry today is that we, we kind of live on this sense of success. Mm-hmm. Success is, is like number one. You know, you're either the agency that wants to win the most awards you're either the agency that wants to be perceived as the best place to work. And in, in that sense, you might then be recruiting what are perceived to be the best people in the industry. But I don't think we've created a space whereby we've defined clearly how important failure is as a means to innovating. You know, I think without if we don't fail, we're not going to ever break through and do something that is groundbreaking and original. You know, we we live in a world where social media means that we pretty much get to see what every other agency is doing every single day. You know, and there are platforms like Brand New, which I love to look at, but I absolutely hate the commentary that goes under those types of platforms where it's almost trolling, you know, it, if you were a graduate coming into our industry and you looked on one of those sites, you think, oh my God, that looks like a great bit of work, but it's getting some horrendous commentary. And the problem is that the work we do for our clients is solving a real world 
problem. That problem isn't always communicated very clearly to the people that are seeing the work that we do. So we present our case study on our website. People just look at the the pictures. They, They very rarely want to understand the complexity of what went into delivering that bit of work. So, yeah, and I think that's always going to be there. There's this kind of odd tension of a great bit of work there that's loved by people and a great bit of work here that's hated by people. And it's all incredibly subjective. But I think we need to pull ourselves out of this kind of ego-driven, I guess, industry that, I don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of like being a rock star but without having to be on stage. People want to be so famous for the work they do. But we, we just need a bit more of an open, collaborative culture that, that allows for failure in a way that says, this is about learning. And we're not talking about catastrophic failings, you know, things where people don't learn from their mistakes and they keep repeating the same mistake. And I think that's a bit different. But I think in our industry, creative industry, we've got to be open to the idea that failure is something that we need to embrace it's something that's good it's something that can help us innovate and push ideas and it also we should allow people to feel safe in the space they're working in and therefore the way we deal with failure is really important you're either going to single people out as a martyr almost and stone them for getting something wrong or we're going to wrap around arms around people and say okay you've learned from this. I'm going to help you understand how to do something better next time or differently next time. And maybe we're not educating people enough. We just assume people can do the job. And if they can't do the job, they failed. I think I see a lot of that in our industry, this sense of the expectation versus the reality of an individual. Mm-hmm. I think there needs to be more of a, I like the image you created by like wrapping the arms around people. I think yeah. our our industry just needs to bring more of that warmth, more of the compassion, more to be able and not just be so brutal. I love the start. I love the start of this conversation. I think this will feed into the next two conversations very well. Absolutely. Yeah. But hopefully this will even just not be the start of these three, but hopefully start a bigger conversation because I feel our industry, we're at a liminal space and what better time And we've been hitting this note about change needs to happen but ever more so, this is just going to feed into this continued culture if we don't pivot and actually hold people accountable for it. So hopefully we can, in our further discussions, in the next two episodes, we can nail some points that might help this. But Absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a vast and almost quite complex subject. You know, as soon as you get into failure, you go down so many rabbit holes and it's hard to really know what our industry is doing about it because I don't think any one agency is kind of standing up for something and shouting about this idea in a way that's really clear. I totally agree with you because I I feel across the board there's when certain things have come up it's almost there a shelf has a shelf life for BLM or you know me too not saying anything bad about that but they come up and just try to be a part of it and sort of be a part of the discussion but then it doesn't it falls away side but there needs to be a continuation of it there needs to be People just need to be holding, I keep using the term accountable, but there has, yeah. it has to be consistency. It just can't be to help their shareholders be a, a piece to their shareholders and say, we're going to donate so much money to this cause or support recruitment for X, Y, and Z. It's not a one-time deal. So yeah. that's the one thing that just thinking about how the industry will address things. I'm just like, you just look at what's happened and the history. Yeah. And it, I think it comes back to kind of authenticity, doesn't it? I think mm-hmm. I think you just have to be authentic in not just what you're saying, but what you're doing is about the action. And there's a lot of words out there, which is why I kind of think I said in the outset, you can Google what are agencies doing around failure and you can find hundreds of articles. But then if you try and dig into agency websites to find out what are they doing to support graduates or individuals and how do they nurture this idea of failure as something positive it's really hard to find it is and they will we've we've seen and this has come up this topic has come up but it's just so surface yeah and it's just oh yeah it's failure and so i've seen some podcasts come up and about failure but i'm like really okay and but i think it's definitely it's deep it's heavy it's big yeah yeah and i think it affects it affects all of us in different ways 
Oh, without a doubt, yeah. without a doubt, even the most confident creative director, we'll see. It's that's just the presentation and behind that's it. it. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's all internalized. <laughs> uh, which is not going to be, which is not good. We, no. we can't have it internalized. We need to be open. We need to speak about it. And Absolutely. Open. And I think that's maybe another thing with our industry, just having that openness and yeah. being candid. Because so many times people, even the fact that approaching, maybe if I had to approach you as a recent graduate, I'd probably be scared because of saying whatever topic it is, it might come across like I'm the lowest of the low. I'm a failure. But yet opening it up and having the authentic conversation actually helps improve you, helps grow. Yeah. And I just, yeah. but I feel so too often in our industry, we don't have those opportunities at all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think if we can bring that, that notion of failure up the agenda, so it sits side by side, if not higher than this idea of success, then we'll be getting somewhere. Well, I hope we can start that conversation and get somewhere. So. Absolutely. Thank you so much, David. Thanks, Melissa. A big thank you to V and David for that excellent introduction to the mini-series on failure. We'll be back with two more episodes in this series soon. Thanks to Stringtime for all their support. If you run a creative business or a creative team and you'd like a healthier business running it, then go check out streamtime.net. If you're interested to find out more about Never Not Creative, go to nevernotcreative.org. You can find about everything that we're doing there from mental health support groups to minimum standards around internships. And also one of our latest projects, uh, which is finding out more about empathy in the creative industry. So there's a survey to take and there'll be reports coming up soon. Keep an ear out for the next episode. If you liked this episode, please go like, subscribe, uh, send us a comment, write a review. And if you'd like to know more about this subject, then we'll be publishing the mini series once it's completed up on nevernotcreative.org as well. Thanks for listening. We'll be back very soon. Bye.